welcome to Health, Happiness and Homeopathy. Hello, my name is Madeleine Innocent. I want to help you reach your greatest potential through holistic means which are both logical and empowering. This week's podcast is all about avoidance, in particular avoidance that has become obsessive. In real healing, you have to understand who the patient is. It's no good prescribing anything until you have some idea of that. In homeopathy, we consider there are three to ten very broad character differences, depending on which school of thought you follow. This is based on how you react to stress. Usually it's set up in childhood. You could say it's a survival strategy. Of course, everybody is a mixture of them all, but one invariably stands out over and above the others. So these differences vary from struggle all the way to despair with huge variations in between. In struggle, there's hope. There's a feeling that if you keep trying, you'll get there. A great way to look at this is imagining you're driving along a deserted road a long way from anywhere. Suddenly, a tyre blows. You've no idea how to change a tyre and you're well out of reach of any phone towers. But there's a manual and you have seen other people change tyres. You feel you'll be able to do it even if it takes you a long time. You're optimistic. Now let's look at the other extreme. You sit at the wheel of the car in utter despair. How could this happen to me? I don't know the first thing about cars. Eventually, you get out and have a look at the situation. There's no manual. It's long gone. You peer in the boot. There's no spare tyre, or at least one that you can see, or even tools. You kick the tyre and swear. You feel desperate. After a while, the reality dawns on you. Few cars drive on this road. You feel hopeless. You feel totally isolated, alone in the world. Nobody knows you're here. You're pessimistic. You dig out a bottle of spirits and drink yourself into oblivion. In the middle of these two extremes is one of avoidance, and that's the topic of today. One of the things we humans are very good at is avoidance. We avoid unwanted thoughts. We avoid unwanted situations. We suppress unwanted physical symptoms. The current medical system is all about suppression and avoidance. Whether the medical system bowed to our demand or created and sold the idea to us is a chicken and egg situation. And maybe it doesn't matter. However, what does matter is that we keep buying into this idea. Avoiding something doesn't mean it goes away. Usually the opposite. It grows stronger. And as it grows stronger, we develop more symptoms. Let's start with unwanted thoughts. Our society, family, religion, culture, whatever, likes to tell us what to think. We shouldn't be sad. We shouldn't be this or that. And often there's merit in this advice. We need a society structure to be able to live in reasonable harmony. But so much of this advice doesn't consider the individual and why they're like they are. And thoughts can't just be turned off. One of the best pieces of advice I 
ever had was from a meditation teacher. He said that our thoughts need to be heard. They need to express themselves as if they were a real person. But you don't have to engage with them either way. You don't have to get in a discussion with them or argue with them or avoid them and shut them out. Just allow them and get on with your day. Periodically, they'll quieten down and then suddenly emerge again. You can greet them, perhaps give them a name. Oh, hello, Annie, you're back. Then carry on with your day. At the time a meditation teacher told me that, <coughs> excuse me, I told me this, I had something important that worried me. Nothing earth-shattering, but it was important for me at the time. After a couple of days of doing this, I suddenly felt as if a great weight had been lifted from my shoulders. I felt free and light, and the object of my concern was no longer there. The teacher also suggested using a metaphorical theatre. The thoughts can go on the stage to act out what they need to. You sit in the audience, sometimes listening, sometimes looking at the decor or the rest of the audience. So you're aware of them, but you don't always listen. You definitely don't engage, but you can't walk out because that would be ignoring them. More serious problems will take a lot longer than a couple of days. And this You know, this is a lifetime's habit. You can't stop doing it because thoughts will always come and be there. What happens when you stop? Sorry, what happens when you when you keep avoiding your thoughts, when you don't allow them free expression? They grow and they get bigger and more. Eventually, they'll reach a point where you develop pathology It's as if your spirit self has tried to get your attention through your mind, realised that it can't reach you. So it goes into the pathology that's the next step. And the, the pathology is usually something you can't avoid or ignore. So, of course, this means it's eminently possible to heal your pathology by giving your thoughts free expression. It's not just the medical system that encourages avoidance. It's everywhere, including our governments, because every organisation is made up of us. Those who specialise in avoiding tend to be very secretive. You can probably see how well these two tendencies go together. There can be a feeling, if they really knew me, they wouldn't like me. So they present a mask. A common and very obvious mask is somebody who's always jovial, smiling, seems happy, even in serious situations. You get a feeling of unease with them. And if you know them personally, you realise that their life is far from happy. A mask similar to this is somebody who is always willing to help everybody outside their immediate family because it keeps up their appearance, but they won't help their immediate family. Another mask is being egotistical. They put themselves on pedestals and mock those of lower status. It's a really good strategy for them as they avoid the blame, putting it on others. Other masks can be more subtle. But inside there's a huge insecurity because they feel there's a weakness within them that they must keep hidden. And this creates all kinds of complicated games that become more 
and more convoluted. They tend to be born warriors, keep asking what if, and to cope they can develop obsessive or ritualistic behaviours. They also feel stuck, powerless, they feel inadequate, they feel restricted. They want to prevent things happening from getting worse so they're an easy target to the praying markets with empty promises. New things are frightening, they don't want to grow and they want to keep the status quo. With this fear of new things comes inflexibility. It can be difficult to have a conversation with them as they're unable to explore a new way of looking at something. This inflexibility is seen not just in their mind, but in their body too. Really, everything is frightening. So they have to accept what is and cope with it as best they can and hide what they feel will not present themselves in the best light. How exactly this plays out in each individual depends upon their genetic makeup, environmental factors, age, time of suppression and so on. There are many influences and many variations. On the one extreme, someone can be a recluse avoiding society, lamenting their bad fortune. And on the other extreme could be secret societies and inhumane treatment. And there are huge variations in between. Avoidance is very dominant in our human society. How would the avoiders react in the lonely road and the blown tyre situation? They'd blame everybody but themselves. But once they had settled down, they would accept the situation and learn to live with it. Looking at the pathology can give us homeopaths clues to follow to work out where the healing remedy may be found. In the first situation, the hopeful tyre changer, the pathology is more annoying than destructive. Perhaps skin rashes and mild digestive upsets are more the norm. You can see the pathology following the nature of the person. In the desperate tyre changer, the pathology tends to be destructive. In those who avoid, the pathology tends to be in between. It's a bit more than annoying. It can be frightening. It can also be immobilising. Joint issues are really common, but generally they're not destructive, at least not naturally destructive. It's really fascinating, I find, that the pathology mimics the nature of the individual, such as the joint issues described. Or somebody who gets thick phlegm in their throat, that they just cannot dislodge however hard they try. They need a homeopathic remedy from the avoidance group. The phlegm is as stuck as is their plight in life. Skin blemishes must be hidden at all costs. In fact, any blemish that may give away a weakness. They provide a roaring trade to the skin industry. They can be quite touchy. They hate being found out and are likely to round on you aggressively. You're left feeling, what did I do? I only pointed out, and it could be something minor. But unbeknownst to you, you got dangerously close to a hidden weakness. We can probably all see a time when we avoided something. 
I recall an incident at about ten or so. The school dinner one day was liver. It looked disgusting and smelt worse. There was no way I was going to eat that. The teacher on duty was as determined as I was that I was going to eat it. So she held me back after the other children had gone. I was left alone in the dining room with this plate in front of me. For a long time I just sat there. But that was boring and I wanted to go out to play. So I threw the piece of liver under the table. That got me off the hook and I often wondered if she ever found out. Cats can be in this category as they tend to hide when afraid of something. Dogs can be too, although their tendency is more to bluster than hide. However, animals are much more naturally healthy than we are as they operate from their heart, their feelings rather than their mind. It's our mind that can take us into crazy and destructive areas. In a recent blog post, Jennifer Margulis and Awake Journal on Substack discussed a case told to her by a medical friend. It shows how little we know about health or a lack of health. It's about somebody who felt stuck. She's what I'd call a healthy avoider. All she needed was a safe place to talk and someone who could help her really look at her situation. And luckily she found that. It wasn't a homeopath, by the way, it was a medical medic student. But homeopaths do have a reputation of being good non-judgmental listeners. So this is what Jennifer wrote. When my friend, whom I'll call Kent, was in his third year of studying medicine, he worked at the clinic associated with his medical school. One of his patients had recently had a class 4 pap smear and was then diagnosed with cervical cancer. She'd been told she needed a hysterectomy in order to keep the cancer in her cervix from spreading to other parts of her body. Kent and one of his fellow medical students was tasked with counselling this patient about the cancer and with explaining to her what to expect from the upcoming procedure. Before we get into all of that, Kent said, I'd like to know a little bit about you. Tell me about yourself, he continued. Are you in a relationship? The young woman said she had a boyfriend, but there was no enthusiasm in her voice. She confessed that she and her boyfriend had different goals and a different vision for the future. She badly wanted to have children, she said. Her boyfriend wasn't interested in starting a family. So what does he want? Kent asked. She thought about the question for a minute, then answered that her boyfriend seemed mostly interested in having sex, but that their lovemaking was not particularly satisfying to her. A thought came to Kent. This young boyfriend was basically pounding on her cervix with his penis over and over again like the closed fist of one hand punching the open palm of the other. He had been battering the place in her body where the cancerous cells had started to grow. So why are you staying with him? Kent asked gently. Have you considered any other options? The patient admitted that she felt stuck, 
even though she believed she never would have started dating this man if she'd known up front that he didn't want a family, she didn't see a way out. I think you know what to do, Kent said. They talked for over an hour. After she left, she cancelled the scheduled surgery and she broke up with her boyfriend. A month later, Kent's patient came back for another pap. This time, the smear came out normal. There was no longer any evidence of cell changes on her cervix. The cancer was gone. Fifteen years later, Kent rang into his patient again. She was cancer-free and happily married to a different man. And she was also the mother of two small children. Till the next time, good health.